0: Hello and welcome to the third in our series of podcasts on trade matters. Today we're going to be focusing on borders and specifically the future of borders as the UK leaves the EU. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Joe Bellow, our global head of indirect tax and customs duties here at PwC, by Julia Ronslow-Cole, our global head of immigration and legal markets leader, and Andy Key from our government team who leads on law, enforcement, borders and security. Thanks all for being here. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Andy, start us off. What's the role of a border and what actually happens there?
1: Um, Great question. Um, A border at its simplest typically represents the boundary of two legal jurisdictions. And the images that we have in our minds are uh, generally of a physical border, a place. But actually borders are increasingly less about um, geography and are becoming uh, both exported and virtual. For example, um, in terms of where well, we have what one calls juxtaposed borders with the French. You pre-clear uh, the UK border at gardu when you get on the Eurostar. Um, and there are similar schemes for cargo. And these are all aimed at reducing the logistical pinch points on arrival. They're also becoming more virtual. Uh, and, and for example, we notify the authorities of our intention to travel uh, before arriving in a country through things like advanced passenger information, or, or indeed, e-borders type schemes. In terms of what actually happens, I mean, they're largely points of of checking and collecting. And those checks, of course, include immigration to ensure a country is admitting the people it wants to admit on the right terms, uh, that the right goods are, are coming into the country, that taxes are paid, uh, and of course, borders are, serve a vital part of our security infrastructure. Um, And indeed, uh, uh, as an island, from that perspective, we're relatively fortunate in being able to channel most of our crossings through controllable points of entry and exit. And of course, this checking function needs to uh, balance two important things, both the facilitation of movement and security. And Some would argue that historically there's been a tension between those two things. But in fact, as technology matures, those two drivers become um, less in conflict. The final point I'd make, Paul, is that um, borders, of course, are waypoints on journeys at at natural staging posts that often drive huge amounts of economic activity. That could be the quick pit stop you might make uh, just before you board the the channel tunnel um, through to logistics centres where cargoes are built up and broken down before continuing their journey or indeed to hold special economic zones that support industries on borders. So, quite a rich mix of activity.
0: And some of this is a little abstract, isn't it? This is more about function than about necessarily place, I'm hearing.
1: And, and there'll be a lot of functional, practical things to consider over the next couple of years, for sure.
0: Joe, there's been a lot going on this summer, and I know you've been staying very close to the uh, UK government papers and so on that have been coming out. What's been going on? Two papers were published in August um, and they give us some useful
2: clarity on the UK thinking and proposals that have been put to the EU. Uh, The paper uh, that was produced on goods um, describes two options, um, streamlining the processes of duty collection and screening at the borders using technology, or secondly agreeing a quasi-equivalent of an extension to the customs union so that the goods can move via and through the UK as if they were part of a union, um, a new agreement with the EU. Uh, The papers are useful too because they make it clear that the key challenges for trade for the UK have been recognised for the government and are being thought about. Um, They've recognised that moving goods across borders uh, needs simplifying um, to keep it as simple as it possibly can be. They've also recognised we need to reduce the pressure and, and risk of delays at ports and airports. And it's useful to know how the government would like to continue current arrangements that the EU have with third countries so we can understand what the negotiations are going to be looking like with countries outside the EU we've been hearing a lot about Northern Ireland. What's going on there? Yes. Yeah, so on top of the paper that we've had on customs arrangements with the EU, there was also a paper on Northern Ireland. And here there is a suggestion um, of a two-tier system for the Northern Irish border with the aim that there's no physical border at all. And that two-tier system would involve either an exemption for smaller traders not having to submit customs declarations of any sort and for larger traders a sort of trusted trader programme which allows the submission of reduced data sets for customs declarations and reporting and paying the duty on a more periodic and potentially virtual basis rather than on the physical movement across the border. Alternatively, if we can agree a new customs union and partnership, the hope is that there was no customs processes when the goods move across the Northern Irish border.
0: And what does all this mean for business? What should business be doing now? Well, I think business should be doing things now because change
2: is coming and there is a need to prepare for that change. We may have a transition period up to 2021, but we're not yet certain that that's going to happen. And actually 2019 is not really that far away for businesses um, and the time they need to prepare. And I would be focusing um, on a few key areas where businesses really can be starting to do things. One is data. If we are going to have the opportunities to take advantage of technology, You'll need data in your systems to be able to submit that data through the technology um, and make things as easy as possible. So that data isn't always there today. So, so ensuring that uh, it can be gathered and put in a system appropriately uh, will be useful. Second is trusted trader accreditation. It looks likely that this is going to be key at the border, like having some sort of fast track ticket. So. Getting ready and applying for this accreditation now um, is no bad thing to be thinking about. Thirdly, I think businesses should be thinking strongly and seriously about their relationship with transporters and freight forwarders, as these are gonna be much more important post-Brexit. Make sure as a business you've got the right controls over these relationships, the right data flows and information exchange as these agents are gonna be managing a significantly increased value of customs duty risk for a business compared to today. Fourthly, do you need to be ready to change supply chains um, so that you've got the goods in the right place at the right time uh, in view of the uh, new borders? and then also being ready with the data so you know how you want to influence uh, when you're working with the government as
0: the government has that option wide open that they want to listen to businesses. So an awful lot to think about there on the trade side. Julia, tell us about the people side of this, what's going on there?
3: Well obviously the free movement of people is something that will change after Brexit and currently, we have a situation where the EU has um, a Schengen agreement, so people flow freely within the EU, and they there are not strict border controls within within Schengen, but there are um, strict controls in country. So that's how uh, people are monitored in, in as regards their movement. The UK is outside of Schengen, and we have. Um, all of our border enforcement or strong border enforcement um, as a, at our physical border, and that's obviously partly because of, of our geography. And after Brexit, we have to consider what, do, you know, what option do we do? So do we continue with um, the strong border? Do we um, put border controls on EU citizens, or what types of border controls do we put on them? Or do we move more to a system uh, that's currently adopted in Europe where we have controls in country? So effectively, there are sort of three options. Um, We could have uh, a very light control for EU citizens coming in, but controls inside the UK, or more more stringent controls in the UK. Or um, we could just have um, stronger border checking for EU citizens on the border or we could perhaps adopt um, an ESTA system like we have in the US for European citizens.
0: So some pretty fundamental choices there, and I think I'm hearing lots of parallels with the sort of considerations going on on the trade side in terms of where we might go.
3: Yes, I think there are a lot of parallels with what Joe and Andy have been saying and the choices are quite similar about how, how you want to deal with people.
0: So Andy, from your perspective, what's the key challenge to making the border work in practice, post EU? you?
1: I will pull the easy answer to that would be to say until we know what agreements we've got on, on trade and movement of people, then you can't um, identify those challenges. But to, to crack it open, I'd, I'd look at it in two different dimensions. The first would be about capability. Can it be done? Are the agreements clear, the regulations workable? Um, do we have the technical ability to transact them? And, and on capacity, the question would be, have we got enough of it? The physical infrastructure, the processing power, the workforce. For example, uh, HMRC uh, estimates that today we uh, file 55 million customs declarations every year and and in a post-Brexit world it's likely that could go to north of 250 million. So times five? Uh, Times five, absolutely. So the question will be will our systems cope? Um, From an enforcement point of view, for example, what capacity do you need and, and where do you put it? And
0: how close are we to having that sort of infrastructure in place?
1: Well, as the government's position paper published the other week noted, we're starting from quite a good place. In, in fact, one of the best in the world. A World Bank survey recently rated the UK fifth in the world for I- the efficiency of our customs and borders clearances. So so that's a good place to start from. But in terms of the future, again, Paul, I'll play, back the, I'll play the it depends card. If we're talking about arrangements that are very different to what we're used to, then we need to recognise the bigger the change, the longer the lead time required. But if we end up with arrangements that largely mirror what we currently do, say for non EEA countries, then the issue is largely one of capacity. Now, growing pure capacity in terms of IT or people isn't an, over- isn't an overnight job, but there is some good news. Uh, for example, the new customs declaration system, which, whilst not yet tested quite to the levels, uh, the volumes required, Um, does offer a significant uplift in capacity to what we have now. And as Joe said, it's planned to be operational um, close to, or rather nail-biting, close to uh, March 2019. Assuming CDS is able to cope, I'd still not underestimate the lead times on the physical development of ports infrastructure. And of course, if we end up with new and innovative arrangements, then almost by definition, you won't be buying technology off the shelf. So there will be a lead time and a technical risk associated with that.
0: Yeah, indeed. And and I'm sure, What's on, the, on that whole area of innovation, what's the art of the possible? What sort of things are people talking about?
1: Well, I would start by saying that um, in terms of the art of the possible, um, it, it's it's only as useful uh, if it's replicated on both sides of a border. Trade and travel are t- a two-way exercise. So we need to ensure that all the investment and innovation that we'll make in new or improved uh, technologies and infrastructure is in some way matched by our European neighbors. So you don't just create a, 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 another pinch point. But to answer your question, there are lots of really interesting ideas um, being discussed. And we talked to lots of organizations from the large IT vendors to niche startups Um, Some of the technologies uh, support things like tracking technologies, authentication, non-intrusive inspection, bulk processing capabilities like robotic process automation uh, to speed up transactions, and indeed wider supply chain innovation. Uh, I spoke to a company the other day that makes secure inks, for example, and it believes that it can play a role in supporting the authentication uh, of documents and goods that will be required uh, in this new world.
0: So Joe, if I can come back to you, clearly lots going on, lots, uh, an awful lot, lot here. If you were Secretary of State for the day, where would you start? What would your priority be? Oh, if I were Secretary of State for the day, mm, I'd be thinking
2: we need to be innovative, but we also need to be practical. So making sure we've got people on the team who can explain to business in the EU how the ideas we've got would work in practice. I'd be really thinking about pushing the borders away, um, you know. Can we mirror for goods, for example, the to programme? Um, and if we're going to do that, then how do we use technology? Um, automation, blockchain, robotics, apply the technology of the future. Um, as Andy mentioned, I'd be thinking resources and not just the capacity, but also ensuring that they've got the right knowledge. Um, and I'd also be taking advantage of the will uh, between the UK and Ireland. There's a huge appetite to do something innovative uh, and practical, and I'd be starting here with some sort of pilot um, of how we could make that border work and see whether we could expand that.
0: And Julia, you've worked uh, with a lot of governments over the years. Um, looking at the, sort of the international stage and in what's going on in other countries, what can we learn from? What we should we be looking to think about borrowing and bringing here?
3: Well, I think it's all about... Um, perceived risks and what our objectives are. I mean for example if you look at the US they have an ESTA system um, there are some advantages of that in that it's quite a fluid system, um, it's a good way of capturing a lot of detail and helping the movement of of, tra- of people into the US and then if you're concerned about certain uh, nationalities you could remove them or add them to the Um, ESTA system and then for example at the moment there are now um, checks on people's social media and that's additional questions um, that you're asked when you fill in an ESTA um, for for the US and and a visa system so there are lots of different um, options that the UK government can look at Um, and obviously there is the existing Schengen agreement in Europe so that you know that would require quite a lot of Um, infrastructure for checking um, within the UK. And then there's a question about culturally, is that something that we would feel comfortable with as a nation? And um, I think rather differently from trade, I I would say that everyone in the UK has a view about that. So, um, you know, you'd you'd have to have quite a wide consultation.
0: Absolutely, I can see that. And Andy, any final thoughts from you on the kind of practical challenges we're going to face?
1: Well, there's a strong argument that the risk lies as much on the journey as the destination we're going to here. The government does seem to be increasingly acknowledging the need for implementation periods, and I think that will please both businesses, and I suspect the officials who are both advising and uh, charged with implementing uh, new changes at the border. But I'm going to end on a positive note and and look at the end state and suggest that in the long term I do think there's a significant opportunity to use uh, our exit from the EU as an opportunity to really transform our border, to make it an exemplar and maybe even move it from fifth to first. It's going to be tough, um, but if we can get 30 government departments that work at the border uh, to collaborate and work effectively, if we can harness the talent that resides in uh, the UK's technology and supply chain uh, industries, and if we can get both sides of borders collaborating, then I think this could be a really exciting time for the border and indeed for the UK as a place to trade and to do business in the future.
0: Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you all for those insights. It's been a really interesting conversation. Um, huge range of issues and plenty of food for thought. And thank you all for listening. And join us again soon for the next in our series on Trade Matters. And don't forget you can access all our podcasts, blogs and events at pwc.co.uk stroke Trade Matters.